This goes to all my hustlers, entertainers, and of course, athletes in the struggle. Y'all to make a little. Y'all, y'all, y'all. Some get a little, and some get none. Shit, I was part of the some get none. I'm back, I am back, I am fucking back. Um, much apologies. It's been a couple weeks. No, no, no. Why did I say a couple weeks? A couple months. Almost a couple months. You know, your man's had to put in a little bit of load management. A lot going on in my life and shit like that. But um, not to say that it was not a lot going on in the sports world as it is. You know, but let me introduce myself. This is your boy. Uh, Despain, D-E-S-P-A-I-N. Don't wear it out. Remember that. Um, I'm the host of Despain's Sports Talk with Despain. Uh, I don't know why I'm fucking this up right now, but it's been a while. I'm kind of rusty. Um, but anyways, uh, appreciate y'all for uh, tuning in and listening. Uh, I'm going to definitely... Uh, <laughs> Not make excuses for my absence, but my absence was needed. Um, you know, as I would say in our in my other podcast with my two co-hosts V and Jazz, life be life and and sometimes you just gotta, you know, prioritize how you live your life a little bit sometimes. But anyways, um, this is a sports talk with the Spain. Um, definitely want to chime in on what we've been missing on. Um, I haven't been recording. Uh, at least this podcast in a long time. The last time I I dropped something was late February, just after the Super Bowl. I think it was just around, just after the All-Star game. For the NBA, excuse me. Um, A lot has happened. Uh, (laughs) First and foremost, um, we've had some, you know, interesting situations going on with the NFL. Interesting situations going on with NBA. Baseball had their interesting situation. But I want to start it off with our local sports. Um, last time we all spoke, and I can't really recall what I've said then, but I definitely was looking at the Celtics as a bit of a laughing stock at the moment because they wasn't really hitting their stride at the time. But since then, the joke's on me. They are actually the second seed. Going into this uh, playoffs, which starts this coming Saturday, which is tomorrow, they will be playing on Sunday, facing the Brooklyn Nets and their best friend Kyrie Irving. Um, I'm super proud of how this team played. I might kind of come off a little hypocritical, but um, I am proud. You know what I'm saying? Like I, I'm just I'm proud in the sense of like I can see their success due to the fact that they had a Rookie coach, rookie head coach, Ime Aduka. Um, and with him being on the staff, and, you know, much credit to Brad Stevens as well as the, you know, de facto GM or players develop, whatever he's doing as <laughs> for that team. Uh, he doesn't use, they don't use the GM role name for him, but, um, like, for what he has done, especially during the trade deadline, because I wasn't a big fan of the trades that he made, and I think I voiced that in the last episode. Um, but they they came out and they played in their favor. Um, 
getting Daniel Tice, getting um, White to play that, you know, tweener of a of the one and the two guard, and then kind of shortening the rotation with in, in focusing on what makes their team that team play well. Um, it was it's in, it was impressive. Um, good, great coaching job. He he should he definitely deserves a lot of kudos. Some some voting for coach of the year, which I don't believe he would win, um, because uh, there was actually some other great coaches this whole entire NBA season. But um, Brad Stevens definitely deserves a lot of kudos for the success of the Celtics. But they went from you know flirting with the play-in tournament to making it to the two seed, which is a great accomplishment. And with the great accomplishment comes with great challenge. They're going to be playing the Brooklyn Nets, and I get it, and I understand a lot of people have their own personal opinions on how they feel about their home team, and they think that the Celtics should be able to run away with the game, with the series, no, no issues because of Brooklyn's Continuity is not as the same as the Celtics. Coaching is not the same, so on and so forth. Honestly, it, I think it's a game that's going to go to, se- to seven games. Uh, I'm never going to count out a team that has two great shooter, two of the greatest shooters of our decade, two of our greatest offensive players in our decade. And <laughs> you could argue that they're, they should be in the top 75 well, Kyrie should be, especially, but KD is already. Um, it's going to be a huge challenge, and um, depending on how this this plays out, with Robert Williams coming back eventually, some point in the series, or in and even um, Mr. Ben Simmons coming back at some point in the series, it will be fun to watch, interesting, and what what better way to change up the Boston New York rivalry, but by adding the Brooklyn Nets. Um, It'll be interesting to see, definitely. Um, uh, Aside from the Celtics in our sports, our local sports um, scene, we had the Red Sox. Um, And as many know, at the time, I voiced my opinions about the lockout, and they were able to resolve that eventually at some point. I can't give you the exact date of when the the resolve happened, but they resolved it. Great for the, the league to be able to finally get it done um the you know for a lot of people they don't that don't understand why these labor negotiations um negotiations go on you know although the ticker on espn and all these major sports networks will show you these huge contracts and big money that these guys are making there's always the guys that don't make big money who are not making enough money um when you're average Middle wage baseball players making just a l- below a million dollars in in pl- in they're playing for a billion dollar franchise doesn't make sense. You know what I mean? So it's like something has to change for that. There was a lot of rule situations that needed to be adjusted. Never was addressed. The game of baseball has just been uh, gradually getting more boring than it had to be. So you know. I'm, you know, I'm especially proud. And I've been in a union before. I've been in a union situation before where, with negotiations and, and being uh, being part of a picket line and the whole nine. It's, you know, 
you that's the the right you can act, you you are able to exercise and you know those those players they had the right to do what they had to do and I'm you know I'm especially proud cuz you know I've been there before and I can see from doing my research how important it is to get these guys average salary to be at a certain point cuz just cuz you know you have a Manny Machado or a um you know, you name it. Uh, this count uh, Garrett Coles in the, of the worlds and the Mike Trout's of the worlds making nine figure contracts. <laughs> They're one of the twenty six guys on the roster that's making a decent wage, and there might be two other guys like that star player that's making some crazy money, but the rest of the guys are making very much minimum wage for an athlete. Not even in the NFL are they making that kind of small money that as a baseball player was. So, super proud that it got done. It was unfortunate that it led to a lot of delays, and which now can also lead to injury, early injuries in the season because of lack of um, spring training preparation, and therefore um, would lead to a lot of frustration because you there's a lot of great star baseball players are not going to be starting the season or going to be already hurt by this point. So, um, But then again, like I said, baseball can find a good place if they could finally figure it out to make it very exciting to watch. And I'm not saying they need to change everything, but it's a sport that can definitely grow, grow out of their old school ways and be a better and adapt to a new school um, way of thinking. Um and I don't even think it's really the pace. The pace can be, it could vary, and it depends on the team. And I don't think the pace should be changed, but I think it's just the, the personalities of these players and how these stadiums, like, stop playing the goddamn organ for a fucking, uh, the seventh inning stretch. Like, make make it like a, like a, like a concert damn near. You know what I'm saying? Like, I remember going to the, the Madison, doing the Madison Square Garden, Knicks playing the Celtics. Obviously, the Knicks at that point were not that good, and the Celtics were winning. But you would have never thought that the, <laughs> what they were doing in that that stadium. They were bringing the bringing the 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 stadium uh, attend people who attended the stadium. They're bringing them into the game. Um, whether it's shooting uh, t shirts into the stands, whether it's uh, having them engage on certain things, and you know what I'm saying? Playing actual music that people give a goddamn about, not some old school bullshit. Like, that old school shit that baseball be doing, they need to change it up. Because if you want to attract a younger crowd, they are not. They don't really care about the long ball. They don't care about strikeouts. They don't care about the home run. They, they care about how exciting would it be for me to be standing there for three hours, drinking expensive beer, and eating expensive bar food. Make it make sense but anyways Red Sox um they just played today in their home opener and they lost and they're now three and four um I am excited to see how well they will do this year they should have a pretty damn good lineup as they did last season the pitching's a huge concern for me uh the starting rotation can be quite iffy the the rotate the the bullpen can be very suspect um i don't trust them in clutch situations um but again they they're built to be a very successful team and when they get it together 
they're going to be very dangerous in the AL East. Um, the only other local teams I want to talk about would be, you know, the Bruins. They're bound to go to the playoffs. I believe they're still in the wild card situation. And as I mentioned in the past, I'm sorry. I'm not really the greatest when it comes to, like, keeping up with the, the hockey talk. It's really complicated for me <laughs> because I still have zero understanding of how hockey does their thing. Um, but I believe the, the Bruins have been playing well lately, and they should be seeing themselves in the playoffs as per usual. And um, to those who are hockey fans, they will be excited. But we're going to fast forward to the NFL. A lot has been happening since then. The last time we spoke, uh, free agency hasn't start, hadn't started yet. Tom Brady had retired. <laughs> and Aaron Rodgers was undecided. And there was a lot of shit going on. But um, since then... Um, since then... In the NFL, <laughs> Tom Brady came back <laughs> within a few uh, within a month of him retiring, um, which was pretty fucking hilarious. Uh, but welcome back, Tom Brady. <laughs> he went back to the Bucks. He unretired. Um, whatever the reason for that was, not sure. Um, good for him. Uh, and with him coming back, um, that's one thing I, I give, I applaud the Tampa Bay organization. They value him so well that they see that he needs what he needs at his age to succeed. And it's not saying that he doesn't, he, he can't do it without these guys, but he, they know how it works. So they were like, Hey, we're going to bring back Fournette. Oh, your old buddy from new England, Shaq Mills, Mason, bring him in. Because we lost some guys to free agency in the offensive line in retirement. Oh, Carlton Davis, let's keep him too. Oh, by the way, we're going to pick up a few more guys for the back end of the of the defense. So nothing has changed over in, in Tampa at all. And they're, they're, they're geared to, you know, repeat as division champs and also compete for a championship. And it's all due to Mr. Tom Brady. Then we have Russell Wilson. After the day, literally, I believe it was the day of or the day after, um, Aaron Rodgers decided to re-sign and commit to the the, the Packers. Um, the Denver Broncos pulled the trigger and they went um, went ahead and traded for Russell Wilson. Um, great trade for them. <laughs> uh, great, you know, a little roster, great roster to be in, but tough division to be in as well. You're, you're competing with some pretty more than decent and closely elite quarterbacks in that division. Um, so it's tough. Like for him, he's going to have to definitely follow the footsteps of some greats like Peyton Manning and John Elway. And it's, it's very possible. It, it really all depends how things go in that division, but it's a new beginning for him. And hopefully the, it, it kind of gets his career back on the right track where it was before. Um, so I'm excited to see that with Russell. And with that being said, unfortunately, not the, you can't say the same for Mr. Baker Mayfield. He's going to have to decide where he's, where he's going to end up going or they're going to have to decide it for him because he's requested a trade because the Browns decided they 
would take the risk of all risk and give guaranteed money to Deshaun Watson after trading for him. Um, a little bit what I want to say about this situation is I'm not, you know, the legal system has to play its part or whatever that has to happen. And what the league has to do thereafter is up to the league. But my thing is, like, for those who are, if you're going to be more than willing to root for him to play or even pay him that big money to play or give him an opportunity, and I get it, his age plays a huge part and he's still considered a league quarterback, those same teams that were, like, like falling over over to go out their way and trade for him, those are the same teams that were like not willing to even listen to an opportunity of signing Kaepernick, and because they were scared of the pushback and rec- um, the pushback and the and all the bullshit that would have came out of it with the protesting and all that stuff. Now, here we are. A team gave Mr. Watson the opportunity. So here's the thing with Watson getting an opportunity, you give you pretty much put him in a situation where he's going to be getting all these protests and all that stuff outside his stadium. So you can't even be mad. You can't be mad. You know what I'm saying? So my thing is like call a spade a spade at that point. You know what I'm saying? Like if you're scared to take a chance on someone who's actually doing no harm but just peacefully protesting and whether you don't like whether you like it or not it's his form of protest people protest in several different ways and he chose to do this because it was it actually worked because it brought attention um listen this is what it is you 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 were more willing to spend your top dollar on somebody who has 22 civil lawsuits on him for sexual assault and harassment in which is a big problem in which NFL always has shown they don't give a damn about women when they do when that shit happens. So that's where we are. And it's unfortunate that, you know, Baker Mayfield's career is going to end with the Cleveland uh I was about to say Cleveland Indians, uh they are now the general the, the Guardians, right? General Guardians. Whatever, it's a stupid name. But the Browns. So it's unfortunate his situation with the Browns may not work in his favor, but it is what it is. Um, but other few things happened, you know, obviously we know Ben Roethlisberger Roethlisberger retired, uh, Mitchell Trubisky got signed for a couple years to play in Pittsburgh. Good luck with them with that. Um, Kirk Cousins got another guaranteed contract. Like I, it's just so the, the quarterback carousel started going crazy. Like Matt Ryan got traded from Atlanta to, uh, Indianapolis, um, we had, I'm trying to remember some of these other moves. There's some other moves that happened. Um, well, some guys got their extensions, so there's not, so there was a lot of major, um, big moves in the quarterback world besides the ones I just mentioned. Um, but there was obviously some bigger, other bigger moves like Von Miller going to Buffalo, Khalil Mack getting traded to the Chargers, uh, Chandler Jones agreeing to a contract with the Raiders. In that same, <laughs> in the, within the next that same week, 
Devontae Adams decided, you know what, I don't want to play in Green Bay no more, even though Green Bay was going to make him the highest paid receiver. He was he decided, hey, I'm going to go to the Raiders. I'm going to play with my college teammate. Okay. And same goes with Tyreek Hill. He was like, you know what? I want to go back to where I grew up. I want to play where I grew up. So he decided to go to Miami. He got traded to Miami from the Chiefs. And so which means there's been a lot of turnaround in the league. And that's the that's that's the the that's that's just the surface level stuff. There's so much more other things that happened in the NFL within the last couple months that is going to show itself when the season starts and which is going to be exciting to watch. So I'm very excited how the NFL always finds a way to keep themselves in the limelight. And um, it's going to be exci- it's going to be nice to see how a lot of these quarterback changes and stuff like that happens to help these teams that made their decisions on these players. Um, and there's obviously some other great players that have not been signed yet, like Julio Jones. He he's still a free agent. Um, there's some other folks that haven't been touched because, you know, the money and the age and this there's a lot of things like so. It's going to be interesting to see. Um, so it's going to be fun to watch exactly how a lot of, you know, seeing how a lot of these teams improved um, in the financial aspect of things. Not literally, they haven't touched the field yet. So it's, it's going to be fun to see, like I said. So um, anyways, with that being said, um, as I mentioned earlier, I definitely took a bit of a hiatus. You know, I had to load management, <laughs> uh, dealing with with um, just you know a loaded schedule in life. But I'm here and I'm I'm recording with y'all and I'm giving y'all whatever I got to tell y'all. Um, so I wanted to touch on a couple uh, one other one thing before I move on, and because I'm I'm gonna have um, my boy. E-Man, who's part of the Mr. Vincent podcast, we're going to chop it up um, and talk about the NBA playoffs. Um, I definitely wanted to touch on something that was kind of like a little bit of a uh, eye-opener uh, for me was um, seeing the passing of Dwayne Haskins not too long ago, within the last week or so, and his passing, um, you know, and I know people always say people die every day. People die all the time. He's just why we have to treat an athlete different than the next person. And I'm like, you know what? You're right. Um, I shouldn't feel super sensitive of, of the fact that an athlete passed away. You know what I'm saying? Their arrangements are much more different than, you know, our arrangements are. But the reality is the reason why it's such a situation where you can speak on the the problem is like we're we're a very insensitive society. We um, treat athletes like they're superhuman beings, in which they are. They do things that we can't do, but we also treat them as if they're not going to be human, and we'll do things like heckle them outside of the sport to make them lesser than what they are. Uh, it's one thing to boo someone and scream out in the sand it's like you suck or you fucking suck or you're an asshole like hope you lose like stay you know keep it within the game but when you start um you putting their family in their in your mouth 
when you talk start talking about how you know, oh you suck, I hope you blah 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 blah. When you say I hope in a sense of like threat or you know, ill malice, like it's not I don't think that's right, you know what I'm saying? Like and I know we've all had some type of saying we've all said some crazy, reckless, childish bullshit under our mouth or out loud when watching a game from home or at the stands, but you got to realize, like, these are human beings, man. So that's why, you, like, that's why I'm never feeling, I never get upset when I see, like, uh, <laughs> we'll use Pat Beverly, for example, a very emotional guy. If he ever jumped into the stands and started to punch somebody in the face because he said he, that person called him the N-word, and then he, or that person went to talk about his moms and shit like that, I'll be like, go for it. Like, what what makes that person any different than, the, than a person that you meet outside of when you're outside the stadium and they want to say the same thing. They're the same person. Beat that ass. You know what I'm saying? But he's a prof- he's a he's an he's an employee of a of a franchise and he has to act accordingly. So that's the only time that's really why he would be wrong. But at the end of the end of the day, I don't think it's right for as a fan to destroy somebody's character for the sake of you think they suck. When the reality is you probably are not as ever going to be as good as what that person was. You know what I mean? So, and it's sad because, you know, when somebody like a Dwayne Haskins pass away or even Sean Taylor, and I, and I see people glorify Sean Taylor a lot every year. And I'm like, I can remember people were calling him a, a, a punk or whatever they want to call him because he was such a, a dirty player at one point. And, you know, and I'm sure people were making their comments about him when they realized he shot him, like he got shot, he got shot in his own home. I'm sure people made stupid comments. That's how people are. They just want to make comments, make it seem like that people don't live normal lives. Just because they make, uh, their their tax bracket is higher than you, yours, you have to, they have to, what, they have to come down to your level just so they can feel your pain? Like, nah, you're the one who's making them rich. You're watching them and you're bringing the light. You're bringing them attention. So I'm saying all this to say this, like, you know, rest in peace to Dwayne Haskins. Um, I thought he was just I thought he was a great player, especially in college. Um, where you where you land after the draft will make or break who you are. And that comes to show a lot every season when you watch the NFL. Um, it's just so freaking unfortunate that he passed and the for the, the in the fashion that he passed away is sad and I, I i do hope people really look back and think about human beings when it comes to shit like this and i'm not even talking about just athletes but just human beings in general like we're looking at like celebrities athletes influencers your mom your dad your brother your sister everybody everybody's trying to show that they're up but every some people are just not not at their best. And they're down, and then when they're gone, you're gonna wait till they're gone to give them flowers. Like, I think we need to do better as peoples to acknowledge um, others while they're here and celebrate them. Because when you're always looking for a reason to be <laughs> against someone, it's like, what kind of life are you living? You feel me? So. I don't know, man. What I'm trying to all I'm trying to say is like I just hope us as a people we're ver- we're very much more under uh, willing to be 
able to treat humans as humans, even if their pockets are larger. That's all I wanted to say about that. But I'm going to transition to the next segment of this episode. We're going to talk about the NBA playoffs. I have some um, <laughs> I have some opinions about the playing situation. And um, yeah, so I'm going to see y'all in the, uh, on that next segment. Yo, what's good? Yo, what's the word, my brother? Yeah, shit, man, it's cooling. Shit, bro, what's good? What's the word? Uh, same old, same shit, work. That's all I do. That's all I really do is work. Just <laughs> <And> chill. <laughs> that's, all, that's, that's all we can do, you feel me? Word. Thank you for the last, the, you know, this is kind of last minute, kind of, sort of, because I hit you up, what, yesterday? Two days ago? Two days ago. Yeah, like Monday. <laughs> it's all good. That's all good. But yeah, man, um, back at it again. I know you mentioned at one point to do, uh, we should start doing some type of weekly joint. We should definitely put that together. No, I, I was going to tell you, I was going to talk to you about that too. I, I was thinking about, let's try to target next week, whatever. Like, I would say, like, so my, my, my vision is it, do it like once a week, right? Like, something like midday. It's so like a quick like rundown of shit going on in the sports world. So like half an hour type shit. Like we could do that shit like either here or well, I, I would think you probably want to do it on spaces because most people are there. I'm guessing. If, yeah. If, if you're gonna keep it that, only on the audio that, shit. Yeah, I would. Right. That's that's what I would definitely be more comfortable doing spaces. Because then um, then it it would be more more people would be more engaging when it comes to that. Facts. And it hurt like my man being my, my man being like spaces all the time, like football spaces and shit. He said he got mad falls with that shit, man. Mad people falling and shit. So like that's a good way to build your brand and shit if we do that. Hell yeah, hell yeah. So I, yeah, man. Um I've been I've been off on a little hiatus with my my podcast. I, I know you've been in and out with yours. Yeah. I just started to get back into it like last three or three to four weeks, I'm saying. Word. Yeah. Trying to push yeah, it man. Uh, obviously, the NBA season has changed, or not changed, but it's over the regular season. Well, I don't. You know what's crazy? This playing shit that they got going on. From what I would, I was what I've heard. It's not even a freaking playoff or regular season anything. Yeah, so like, it doesn't count towards your regular season stats, nor does it count towards your playoff stats. Like, it's a, it's a, it's an entity of its own. Yeah. <laughs> So, so I, I, I don't know when those start keeping track of like playing and like statistics and everything when that would kick in, but yeah, so I, I think I found that out like a couple of days ago. So that that's super, but to me that's kind of weird though, because <laughs> it's like me, like for me, like you you watch other sports like baseball for example. Baseball does like um, I, I think they're getting rid of it, but baseball was doing like if you were tied or if, whatever, they'll make that last game the hundred sixty third game. Or in mm-hmm. also they have the wild card game, which is a one and done game, which is considered a playoff game. But I'm like, 
why in basketball they decide this is how they want to do it. Because in my personal opinion, I feel like if you're going to reward a ninth and 10th seed, an opportunity to play an additional game, it should be part of either one of the reg- either the regular or the, or the postseason. Fair to say? Yeah. I mean, honestly, like, this is relatively new, but the second time they've done it. Like, honestly, I'm not even, I'm not even like, 100% sure how the plan works. It's, it's, I'm, I'm a little bit all over the place with that. Well, not all over the place, but still confused on how it works. Because, like, for example, I know the Clippers lost against those, the um, Timberwolves the other night, but now they get to play. But now they have another chance to get in the playoffs again if they beat the, uh, the Pelicans tonight. But um, I don't know if you've seen the report that um, PG-13 is going to be out for health and safety protocols. So. Yeah, I seen that today, and That's I was like, low. "See, and exactly." And this just just comes to show that our sports world and our world in general is still being affected by COVID. Because he actually got tested positive yeah. for COVID, so it's not like it was some shit like where he's like, it's not a situation where the it's not the typical situation where they're like, "Oh, well, you know, he was in close proximity of someone who had tested positive." He actually tested positive. So it's quite it's quite unfortunate because you know that team. I mean, not to be wrong. I'm not not to get way ahead of ourselves and assuming that they won't win without him. They've won without him, clearly. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I, I was just saying like they have a they have a good chance to still pull it off, but I mean, it just sucks. Yeah, it's it's a very unfortunate. And then and personally, I thought they should have beat the the Timberwolves that night. Um, yeah, especially with Cat getting getting a foul trouble with like what seven minutes left in the fourth quarter, yeah. should have capitalized they, off that. They had an amazing game plan. They they got it all set to figure out how the best how the best way to neutralize and get him out of the game and force Ant to be the playmaker. You know what I'm saying? In which in most in in you know honestly, I would do the same thing. Second year guy, first time in the playoff situation. I'm putting you to the test. What can you do? And he actually came up and played and stepped up. Mm-hmm. So I pers- I don't know about you, though, because I know you just said that you're, you're kind of still, like, not too, you know, you know you're know, you not too crazy about the play- playing game. Like, you don't really know much about it like that. Don't know, like, how it works in terms of, like, how the seating. Like, I, I'm still a little confused. I haven't really looked into it that much. I, sh- I should, though. <laughs> Yeah, so basically how uh, – I'll run it down for the folks that are going to eventually be listening to both of us at some point. Mm-hmm. The playing game is this. So they, they started this from the, the bubble, right? It started last season with the first year they implemented it. So it's a year in. No, no, the bubble was the first time they did this. No. I thought it was. No, nah, last year was the first time. Because I remember last year – I remember last year because when the, the first time when the uh, Lakers played the um, – Lakers play the Warriors to get into the um, play-in. Oh, wait a minute. I could be wrong. I could be wrong. Am I wrong? Yeah, I think I think it was the bubble. They just changed – in the bubble, it was a little bit changed up. I believe it was – You may be right. Yeah, in the bubble, okay. it was a little changed up. But um, – so basically, it's this. If you're not the top six seed, you're going to be in a play-in tournament. And the play-in tournament is the seven and eight seed play each other for the seventh seed. The loser of that game has to play the winner of the ninth and tenth seed. The ninth and tenth seed play each other in a do or die game. <laughs> <laughs> in a do or die game, and whoever loses is out of the, out of contention of being in the playoffs. And whoever wins it 
has can compete for the eighth seed, which is the games we're having tonight. Obviously, we're recording this pr- prior to these, these games. So with that being said, what is your – me breaking it down to you that way, what is your opinion on that? Well, I mean, overall, my opinion on the playing tournament, I see – I know what they're trying to do with the playing tournament. They want to keep the game competitive down the stretch of the season, and they want to try to reduce the um, – that's what I'm looking for. Reduce the uh, – damn, what's the word I'm looking for? I'm bugging. Um, reduce taking. Because can we be competitive on the stretch? It reduces tanking and so forth. They want to keep it competitive on the stretch. Um, I'm not mad at it. I mean, I like it. I mean, I mean, it's, it's it's relatively new again. It's relatively new still. So we're gonna see how this progresses over time. But I commend Adam Silver for not staying um, staying in the ways of the, uh, the traditional NBA, switching it up. I mean, we we know how it goes every single year. Um, with you know, 82 game season, a lot of teams like um, practice low management, resting key players. All the, down the stretch of games, um, and it kind of dilutes the product in some way. So, I mean, this is a way to keep that relevance going on throughout the course of the seasons, especially down the home stretch. So, I'm not mad at him for that. Yeah, I mean, I get it, but in my personal opinion, I'm not a big fan of it because, for one, you're rewarding a team that's going to be eligible for possibly a top 14 pick an opportunity to make the eighth seed. Mm. And there's a reason why they are ninth and 10th seed though. They wasn't good enough. You know what I mean? And that's, that goes for both conferences because both ninth and 10th seeds on both conferences had losing records. So it's like, so now you're giving a team with a losing record an opportunity to be an eighth seed and just get trampled by the first seed. You know what I mean? Like to me, it just doesn't make sense. So that's why, Yes, me personally, I definitely was laughing to like almost I, I was laughing to, to, to myself to sleep when I saw the Timberwolves so excited and so, you know, expressive about their them winning the, the game. But if you really think about it, they shouldn't even be in this situation. You know what I mean? Like they're the seventh seed and they're battling it out. With a team that has a way worse record than them, they were good enough to be a, a, a top six, six team in the, in, the, in the conference. That's how good they were. But they were battling out for the seventh seed with an eighth seed. You know what I mean? So I can see why they were super excited and losing their fucking mind and whatever the case may be. But it's like, it doesn't, it doesn't make sense, dude. Like, I don't know. To me, I get it. Like you said, it makes sense. Like for the for the league, it makes sense. It's more revenue. The TV contracts play a part. There's a lot of things that play a part. So it makes sense. But it's like it, it just it's, it comes down to this. It looks like it's watered down basketball. Fair to say. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah. I mean, like with something that comes about like this, there's always pros. There's always cons. Um, you mentioned that about rewarding a team that that was pretty mediocre to say the least. An, an opportunity to make the playoffs even after the 82 game grueling schedule. You know what I'm saying? So that's always going to be a problem. But I didn't even think about that. I probably had it before, but what you mentioned right there, money. Everything's about money, more revenue. You play, you, you have, um, you have additional like three or four games, whatever, and it's going to draw a ratings and it, it's the TV money and everything, put people in the stands. So yeah, I see that. I, I see where they're coming from with this. I'm not, I'm not mad at it. Yeah, and, 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 and I'm just speaking in the sense of, like, I, I have my opinion and I'm, I can voice it. 
But I get it. I'm still, you know, the majority of those games I'm going to watch. You know what I'm saying? I watch, for the most part, I definitely watch the, um, I definitely watch the seven and eight seed games because I enjoy those games. They was, those were actually fought, hard fought games. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with enjoying those. But like the games of the ninth and tenth seed, I couldn't. I couldn't enjoy those, man. I was. It, it, both games were blowouts, damn near, and they were not exciting whatsoever. So it's like I don't know. Yeah, yeah, it's tough. Yeah, that, that, that um, Hawks Hornets game, tough to watch, man. Yeah, so I don't know, but I wanted to go over um, for the most part. I definitely wanted to go over. Obviously, we're gonna we're gonna be set, we're gonna settle in with the eighth seeds eventually at some point tonight with those two games going down. But I wanted to talk about all the playoff series that's going on in the NBA. Um, and I wanted to go over, like, what your predictions are, what you think is going to happen in these series. I don't want to get too far ahead and talk about who's going to win the, the the world championship. I don't want to do that right now. The NBA is so – is probably this is probably the most unpredictable the league has been in, in a few years, fair to say. I'm going to talk about who's going to win the championship? Correct. Eh, I don't know about that. I think so. I know what you're saying. Yeah, like, especially like the East. Like, the East itself is wide open. Like, four or five teams can actually represent the East in the, in the finals. But, right. I mean, I, I think it comes down to two teams. Me personally, but... Right. And, and I mean, get, don't get me wrong. Last season, I thought it was kind of like the same way I feel about this season. Like, I did not have any idea. But last season was more, way more challenging because they were still playing in the midst of a of the pandemic being at its peak. Um, there was say, uh, last season was a, a weird season because there's a whole lot of injuries, but the condensed season. So a lot of players exactly. like got hurt. Yeah, like, yeah so. you're right. I forgot about that. It was a condensed season. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. Kawhi tears ACL. Um, mm-hmm. Giannis had a, had a, had a set of scare, but he ended up playing through it and dominating in the finals. Um, you had obviously the Kyrie thrown his ankle on Giannis's foot. So, Yep. So that definitely played a, a huge part to how the NBA postseason went down. But I think the right team won the championship, anyways. I, the, the the Bucks were they felt I felt like they were destined to win it last year. But um, with that being said, I'm going to start off with you know Sunday's matchup that starts on the matchup that starts on Sunday, which is going to be the the two seed Celtics and the Brooklyn Nets. Um, That's probably going to be the best series in round one, I would say, outside yeah. of. Outside of uh, the Wolves and Grizzlies, I think that's the most exciting series in the round one. Right. So I'm going to ask you this. In that series, who do you, what team do you see is going to come out of that series winning, and who are the key factors of this series? All right. So it's a good series, man. Like, you got a lot of interesting, like, um, uh, plots there. So my adult storylines, you got Kyrie coming back to Boston as a villain. Will he embrace the villain role? I probably not. I, I, see, I see something about, I think I see something on Twitter before I hopped on um, about a quote from him. I'm going to paraphrase saying that he just wishes that we can get past his Boston, his Boston uh, career and then that the fans of Boston can just embrace him and like embrace him in terms of like remember the good times they had, whatever. So I, I like that, not the aspect. Then you got the aspect of Jason Tatum like emerging as a superstar, I think, on a national stage. We all know he's nice. Um, one of the top 10 best scorers in the league right now. Um, got a strong case for first-team All-NBA. But I don't think he's really there on the national stage. I don't think the national, like, novice uh, basketball fans know Jake Tatum like that. 
I think he has a chance to really like explode on that scene in these playoffs. And it's a tough task to go against a team that's not yet your real traditional um, seven seed team, but it is what it is. Uh, injuries, Kyrie refusing to take the vaccine. The Nets fell to where they fell. So it's going to be a dope series. Um, Robert Williams' injury, that's uh, tough. I don't know. I don't know if they can. Um, I, I know that he could possibly come back. So I'm guessing it wasn't that. It wasn't like a, it was probably a slight miscast to him. I'm guessing because it's reports of him possibly coming back for the series. Um, but uh, yeah, man. So if cause if he doesn't come back, mm-hmm. it, it might be a it might be a struggle for like the Al Horford and Tice to keep up with the Nets in the pick and roll game. Whether it be KD or Kyrie um, operating in the pick and roll game, it's gonna be tough. But if he can, but if Robert Williams can come back and be something like eighty to eighty five percent of himself because he has such fast feet, he's able to. He's not going to get his foot in the pick and roll, and his recovery time is crazy to um, contest shots at the rim. Um, but at the same time, I'm looking at it. I understand the Nets have their flaws. They don't really play any defense. Um, outside of KD and Kyrie, they don't really have a legit scoring threat on a consistent basis, at least that is. But, damn, man, like, that's really, like, the, I think the best offensive duo in the league we have right now. Like two of the top, probably the top two most skilled players in the NBA. Actively in the playoffs, yeah, I agree. I agree. Actively in the playoffs, like consistent shooters, mm-hmm. those are the two. I mean, we can make an argument for maybe DeRozan and Levine, and we can make an argument for maybe uh, Chris Paul and and Booker, just because Chris Paul's not a he doesn't have to shoot and score twenty a game, but he can. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. That's true. Not to say Steph and Clay aren't, because they are. You know what I'm saying? But what you're saying is true. Like Durant and Irving, that's the most deadliest duo combo outside of you know what I'm saying some of these other guys that we mentioned. We could talk about JB and, and Tatum too, but in those games that Jalen is going crazy, JB takes the back seat. Whereas when when a, when a Durant yeah. and, and Kyrie could both could go for forty without with that both with both of them with their eyes closed, you feel know I me? Mean? Yeah, I'm, so I'm interested to see like how it's going to play out, and not even in this series, even if they advance, like as the playoffs go go deeper, how they're going to react because I know when they they like Boston's great on defense throughout the whole well, at least the second half of the season, stellar on defense. Um, but I feel like one of the things with them is that whenever Tatum gets the ball, teams are going to double team him, especially in the playoffs. I feel. And who else is going to really score like that? Like, who else is going to go to going to be a legit threat to score outside of Tatum? I guess Brown, maybe Brown could do it, but I don't know. I think it would be different in the playoffs with a lot of pressure. You're going to see these teams at least three to four times, like night, like after every other night. So they're going to zone in, zone in on you for one series. So you're probably, so the game's going to slow down. You're not going to go, get out there and, and transition like that. So it's going to, see, going to be interesting to see how they um, adapt to this um, playoff environment. But again, they've both been to what? At least two conference finals. They've been to the playoffs. Like just about every year they've been in the league. I don't Tatum has. I'm not sure about Brown. No, I think Brown did go to the playoffs every year. He's been in the league too. Yeah, so it's tough. I would have to go with. Yeah. Uh, oh, damn man, I don't want to pick Brooklyn because I feel like my basketball sense should tell me the, the season would win the champ, which not championship, the series. Uh, because again, they 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 are they're more cohesive. They have depth. Um, they play great defense. Way better coaching on their end. But I'm just like, damn, like KD and Kyrie together, that's a lot to ask for. They're going to have to play a lot of minutes, too, and they might have to, like, really, like, score, like, 30. Like, like KD might have to average, like, 35-plus a night to win that series, which I think he's more than capable of doing because I feel like he's, like, the most efficient scorer I've seen in the league history, at least from on the perimeter. Um, so, yeah, it's tough. So I'll, I'll probably go with uh, 
Nets in six, but I'm not too confident about that. I, with the season one, I wouldn't be shocked. And if it goes game seven, I, I would have to then think the season gonna win the series. Right. I personally would go with, and I'm I'm being completely unbiased here. I would go with the Celtics in six can't, only can't because only because of home field advantage. Um, not to say Durant or Kyrie can't go crazy in uh, in Boston, which they have already. Uh, last year they did so, and they have already done that. But my major factor in this in them winning this series would be Marcus Smart. I'm not the biggest Marcus F- Smart like fanboy. I know Boston fans love him because he he emulates the Boston, you know, image of hardworking, hard nose, whatever the fuck Boston fans blue, blue, blue collar. collar. Um, he he's a potential. He could potentially be in the top three in defensive player of the year this year. Like he's a great defender um, when he plays. Us uh, 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 when he's more consistent on offense. He play when he plays smart. He's even a, a more, you know, impactful player for that team. But with him guarding Kyrie is going to be the biggest, biggest, biggest. You know, what I'm saying part of this this whole series. He if he, can, if he can if he could neutralize Kyrie and you know stop him from being the guy that we know he can be 50 40 90 then <laughs> we the, the Celtics have a great chance of winning the series so that's the way I look at it I mean again I'm being completely unbiased I would love them to smack the shit out of the Nets and sweep them because you know what I'm saying I'm not my I'm kind of I'm still a little bitter about Kyrie and his exit just because I'm like you know what I'm saying? Like, it's not because I was a Celtics fan, because I was like, I actually was one of the very few Celtics fans that were rooting for him to be a Celtic and was ha- excited. Because you know how it is, E. Like, a lot of people were like, oh, my God, we need to keep IT. I'm like, nah, we traded Isaiah for a perennial Hall of Famer. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And why are we crying and bitching about it? I don't get it. But people were. I was especially with him having like the injury history with with the hip problem and everything. Like Danny has made a smart move. He gambled. I believe Kyrie at that point had like two years left on his deal, so I think it was worth the risk. Instead, instead of because if you didn't do that, you would have had to pay it max money, being what like five, what is he five seven with uh with a bad hip. He probably wouldn't age that well. So I mean, I I understand it one hundred percent why why they made that move. Facts. Yeah, you already have a bad hip just in your thirty. 30 year uh, season and you're questioning why people, why the team would take your, take a chance on your value to get a better value player than you. Come on, man. But the Nets do have some, some good shooters. And if Ben Simmons comes back game four and it's a, it's a two, one or, or it's a two, one or a one, two series. Um, and I would hope the Celtics are up two one. It's going to make, it's going to change the series a little bit too. He's a great defender. He he may not be the guy that you need on offense, but he can he can facilitate the ball and he can defend. Yeah, but this is crazy, man. Like we can't never report that he can come back. Like, how are you gonna come back in the playoffs when everything is ramped up? Energy, just adrenaline flowing like times ten. He should have right. what, what he should have did is try to play like the last like five games of the, of the season, at least, and then play in the playoffs. But I, I don't think I've ever seen a player of his caliber make their debut in the postseason. So it's like it's tough. I don't know. And then I'm, I'm pretty sure like they're gonna try to exploit him as much as they can. On uh, I'm thinking like probably in in um, incorporate the 
hack a shack on him throughout the game if he does play. So yeah, I don't know if it'll be I don't know if it'll be um, a negative just as much as he is a plus if he comes back because you know defensively yes he's like a legit candidate for defensive player of the year when he's right. Um, but again, that's tough to ask for somebody to come back and against that defense that the Celtics have. I agree. Well, and, but it's yet to be seen, you know what I mean? Because just it, it, the NBA is just that weird. Um, injuries play a part a lot with these these series and just um, how, you know, it's, it, like they say, it's a game of runs, you know what I'm saying? We, you know, the, the, the Celtics could be up by 20 and then get smacked in the fourth quarter by giving the, the Nets opportunity to do, go on a 25-2 to two run type of shit. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? That's mm-hmm. just how the NBA works sometimes. Um, but moving on, uh, the next series is uh, in the East would be the Bucks, the three seed against the Bulls, the six seed. Um, I don't know the matchup records of that of the season between these two teams, but I got the I got the Bucks in a gentleman's sweep, bro. And obviously the X factor is the one and only Mr. Giannis. Um, you know, in my personal opinion, if it had to come down to it, I would have chose him as the MVP every season just because he's that impactful. Um, he obviously won't win it this year for, you know, we know this. But me personally, I, I see the series. And if you were, t- if you asked me two months ago, I would have said the Bulls just because the Bulls were just a different looking team at that time. But they, they've definitely not, they're definitely not the same team they were a couple months ago. The injuries caught up to them at bad times. The Rosen, um, you know, cooled off a bit, you know, a lot of things had changed. Um, but I, I want to know what your opinion is on this. Blue. Yeah. I mean, it's unfortunate what happened with the Bulls because they they were really hot at one point. They were the top seed in the Eastern conference. DeMar DeRozan was a legitimate um, MVP candidate. But as you mentioned earlier, the injuries started catching up to them. You had Lonzo out for a significant time, but isn't able to play in these playoffs still dealing with that meniscus because he's had, had a setback in the rehab. You got Caruso, who was out about four to six weeks with the broken wrist. Um, Patrick Williams got hurt early on in the season, came back towards the end, but he's in his second year, so that kind of stunted his development. I felt like this team just like um, just exceeded. I think they played like higher than the level that they the, the, than their realistic level. Um, I, like losing Lonzo and Caruso for that long of a time hurt because like they were when they were right, they had probably the probably the best perimeter defense, like really fast feet, are able to fight through picks. Um, and just like like me being a Laker fan, I realized how valuable Caruso is now. Watching the season, I'm like damn, we we really let him go. Um, we we really picked Taylor Horn Tucker over him. Now that was a big blunder on our end, but that's for another topic we can talk about. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I didn't want to I didn't want to touch on the Lakers divide, <laughs> but, uh... <laughs> but um, yeah, this series should be. I'm pretty sure the Bucks swept them this season because their their record against like the top teams in the Eastern Conference was pretty atrocious. They have no answer for Giannis. Giannis, I, to me, is the best player in the league. I'm, I'm taking. I'm, I know he's not the most skilled, but he's the most. He's the most physically dominant, and he impacts the game on both ends. So, to me, that makes him the best player in the league. They have no answer for him. Uh, Chris Middleton, Drew Holiday, when they're playing, that when that big three's playing, they're impressive. Getting Lopez back from a back injury is going to pay dividends throughout the course of this postseason. I think too. Even I haven't getting such a Baca at the trade deadline was big as well. Um, so yeah, I'm right with you. I think it's going to be a sweep, not even a gentleman's sweep. A sweep. Hey man, I was trying to give Chicago. I, at least I, I can't game. see it, man. <laughs> I, at least they'll get a home game in there. Like, come on now. I, think, but I hear you though. I, I I agree. It could be a sweep, straight up, straight up, or it could be a gentleman's sweep. One of the two is happening. 
the Bulls, they ain't built for this moment at the moment. Uh, they're a young team, and the future's bright. Yeah, exactly. Like they, they, they might be able to make a move to, to enhance that team going forward. But I mean, this year, I mean, like I had them as a top six team in the Eastern Conference too, but they were playing way above my expectations. So I was surprised. Like, how the hell are they first in the East? But then here we are now. They're the sixth seed. So, yep. I mean, we'll see what they do with Levine. Um, I know he, he's up. He's going to be an un, unrestricted free agent. So it's up to them if they want to continue their success and keep the band together. Um, yeah, I think we both agree that um, the Bucks will smack that, smack them dudes. Yeah, it's gonna be <laughs> um, the third series. That's not the first seed in the, against the eighth would be Philly versus Toronto. Now, I'm gonna let you start this off of how who you choose and pick, and um, who you believe is gonna be the biggest impact of the series. Ooh, I, yeah, um, I felt the same way. I felt the same way. This is tough, man. Like I feel like I, I, I feel like I should be. I, I feel like I shouldn't have any faith in the Sixers, knowing Doc Rivers' track record, knowing James Harden's track record in the postseason, and the fact that he really looks like a shell of himself. And it's gonna be. It's almost looking like to the point where, whenever they lose, if they lose this series, whenever they lose, he's probably like toward the end of his prime, and that Philly is gonna have to justify making that trade. And give him a, a, an extension of 200, of 200 mil five-year extension, which is going to be crazy. So with that being said, I think I might still have to go with them. Um, Tybu not being able to play in Toronto is cr- fucking crazy because he's that best defender in the team. And the fact that he didn't get – I don't know why he didn't get the second vaccine shot. He only got one. which was kind of weird. But um, yeah, I, I, I heard that. I heard that yeah. he's vaccinated. <laughs> I'm like, what? Like, how are you hyphenated? Like, you took the first one. You might as well take the motherfucking second one. Unless unless, unless he had a really bad allergic reaction to it and he doesn't feel comfortable doing it again. Makes sense. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I didn't even think about that. I'm just like, yo, why, why would your team not even, like, make you get the second one if you already got the first one, knowing that you, you could possibly end up playing Toronto and have to be in, in Canada for part of the series, which is a whole other country, whole, uh, way more um, strict when it comes to the COVID it, than America, so why wouldn't you like just make sure that that was done? That's a little weird, but yeah, that that could be right. Um, yeah, but yeah, so I think I might go with Philly, but I'm not gonna. I won't be shocked if uh, Toronto wins. They got a lot of uh, scrappy people on that team, like Siakam, Scotty Barnes plays great defense. I think he's gonna give James Harden fits um, that that whole series. And James Harden like doesn't look like he has like that quick first step that he used to have because not he's already not like an above the rim player. So that quick first step was pivotal to his success. And he looked like he even lost that. And we know when the playoffs come, the rest tend to swallow their whistles. Don't give those, those tic-tac calls that they usually give to a player like Harden. And then he doesn't get to the line that he gets all flabbergasted and everything. Um, now I would say that Joel Embiid should, there is no method for Joel Embiid. He should dominate in this series, but I feel like with him that, um, he, well, this is the first year that, that I seen that he's really for the most part in I would say some very good condition, but again, the playoffs is just a different animal when you're playing, when you're logging in those minutes and like the adrenaline's flowing. I, I, I feel like maybe his conditioning could come into play down the stretch of the game. He's going to need something like Harden to relieve him of the offensive burden, but I don't know how they could do that right now. And the fact, again, I think that this is this series too, this, this is probably going to um, hurt them. That trade that they made for Harden, 
giving up Seth Curry. Because when that happened, I'm like, damn, I would have tried everything to keep Seth Curry. Because their shooting, their, their three-point shooting is pretty, like, limited right now, too, with the current roster. And he would have helped out a lot in this series, I feel like. So um, I, I don't feel comfortable saying that I'm um, sixes, but I, I think I will. But, yeah, sixes is probably in seven. <laughs> There's no, there's no confidence in that sixes. Man. Nah, not really. I mean, we've seen Douglas teams both three, three point, like three, three one leads in his career. Um, just like let down at the letdown a lot uh, with Doc, and again James Harden with all those London C has on his resume. We right. can sit here and talk about that for like two hours, but I'm sure. <laughs> I agree. And what's crazy? And what's crazy is like as much as I love Doc Rivers. After the Celtics mini little dynasty that they had there, which he only ended up with one chip. He's been with several, he's been with a couple other franchises that he couldn't get a chip with that had better all-stars than he had in, in, in Boston. So it's like, for me, I'm like, you know. Uh, younger, yeah. No, well, let's go. Let's, let's talk about it. Look, Kawhi, Paul George. That's like, you can't get better than that sometimes. You know what I'm saying? How can you not win anything with that? Or even with Chris Paul and the Blake Griffin, Chris Paul situation that the, he had some great situations after you left ball. Oh, he did. He did. Yeah. So for him to never get over that hump and even make it to a finals is just, is a shame. But either way, I'm going to piggyback on you on that. I'm going to choose the, the Sixers only because they got the home field advantage one way or another. So if it had to come down to it and they reached this game seven, they they'd prevail, I would believe. Um, Toronto though is they just Nick Nurse is just a very good coach, top five coach in the league right now. Seriously, like, and that's the thing when I hate when people just do shit like, well, they won because of the player Kawhi, or they won because of LeBron. Well, look at Coach Spo, look at Nick Nurse, look at these type Tyronn Lue. These guys can coach their asses off with the bench let alone an all-star, yeah. you feel me? So it's like when people start doing mm-hmm. that and, like, that's why the coach of the year award is kind of something. That's why you don't see uh, – uh, that's why you should be seeing, like, people like Pop win it every year because he coaches his ass off. But obviously it goes down to records, so they'll give it to the person with the best record sometimes. And it's like sometimes the person with the best record who could – like, for example, somebody like – Steve Nash, let's say the Nets were the best team in the in the East. Do you think he's the best coach in the league? Fuck no. <laughs> he just got fortunate. Yeah. Steve Kerr, when he first got there with the Golden State Warriors, he, I don't think he was the best coach in the league. He was just fortunate to be in a good situation, but he became a better coach. You know what I mean? Yeah. He was he was he, he was he was good at making, like I said, like Mark Jackson laid the foundation, but he tweaked it a little bit. He made like changes like yep. starting Draymond. Um, moving uh, Iggy to the bench, no, moving David Lee to the bench, um, starting Draymond. So he he he's he's a good coach too. He's not a bad. He's a good coach. Yeah, yeah. What I'm saying is he he improved because it's like like you said, Mark Jackson set set up the foundation for him. Mm-hmm. You know, Correct. So that's just how it is. But yeah, I, I, I'm going with the Sixers. I think Embiid is going to be too much Embiid for them, man. For for Toronto, like the guy is what they. I just saw a stat. The first center since Shaq in 99 to, to score 30 plus points per game and lead the league, I believe in points per game. Yeah, correct. So So, and, and unfortunately for him that he has to play in a, in a league that has a Jokic and a fucking Giannis, (laughs) you know what I'm saying? 
he can't even win MVP this year, and he he most likely deserves it. You know what I mean? You can you can make a strong case for him. It's tough, big time. You know, like that's why I feel bad for like somebody like Jason Tatum. He had an MVP season, but he's going to be overlooked by so many great players that play even the same position as him. But yeah, I, I got the Sixers winning this. Um, and it doesn't come down to Doc. It comes down to Embiid and his will to win. He's going to take control, more control than he did last year when they shut the bed against the Hawks. Um, he's not going to sit there and wait for Harden to make a game-changing play. He's going to be the guy to take care of the ball and take care of the, game, the team and, you know, put him on his shoulders and, you know, actually win this game. But like you said, Thibault not being able to play in Toronto is going to be real tough because, you know, last time they played in Toronto, not, not too long ago, and that's with both teams having their starters, except for Toronto missing a couple of theirs. Toronto smoked them. So it's going to be interesting to see that those first two games, in my personal opinion, because those first two games, I believe, will be in Philly. But the, those first two games, they cannot they yep. cannot let Toronto get any type of momentum at all. I agree, because it's going to shift like crazy down there in TDOT. I know that much, so they got to take care oh, of business yeah. and secure. Oh, they will take care of business. So They're going to get – we, we, you could best believe that. <laughs> They'll have freaking Drake <laughs> out there coaching too on top of that. <laughs> but um, that would be – that's uh, besides the Brooklyn Nets in the Celtics series, I think that's one of the more exciting series too because you, you, could, you, could, you could almost make it into a toss-up. But I definitely got the, the Sixers in, um, in six games. That one, uh, we're gonna move on to the yeah, I'm gonna go seven. You got them in seven, okay? Yeah. Okay, um, I'm gonna move on to the west. We got the Memphis Grizzlies going against Minnesota Timberwolves. How I personally feel about this game is uh, <laughs> because the Timberwolves just made me want to laugh so hard about their antics. I personally believe. Wait, what, 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 that one shining moment? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, I was crying. I said, I was and, and let's, let's yeah. be honest. Let's be honest. It is a great, great accomplishment to win a, a playing game. It is. It can't be that great. You was thought that I won the chip, and I'm about to go to Disney World and celebrate at Disney World. Like, dog, like, you want to play a game. Hey, yo. <laughs> oh, my God. But you know what it is? It, that team just showed that their true leader is really Pat Bev, and it's not, and that's kind of scary that it is. Because yeah, I would agree with that. You know what? You know how it goes. Every team will will take on the 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 image of their star. Like you see, Tim, you see the you see Milwaukee. None of those guys have high temperaments. Maybe one. Um, what's his name? I'm trying to think of his name. Bobby Portis. Portis. Portis would be the only one I would think that gets too out of character. Sometimes last year it was PJ Tucker, but Portis is one of those guys. He will be out of character, but he he settles down. You know what I'm saying? Same thing with the Celtics. They they almost every single person on the Celtics has a low demeanor. Damn near. But when you look at a team mm-hmm. like Timberwolves, they kind of those guys are most of those guys are young. And they look at a guy like Pat Bev, who's a vet, and they're like, yo, he has he's showing so much energy. I want to be in that same level with this dude. You know what I'm saying? But I saw that game. Minnesota, you know, they should have lost, in my personal opinion, because you know. I think the Clippers are just a better team overall when they're hitting all cylinders, but there, there was no stopping Ant at that moment. He was just killing um, D'Angelo. Um, Russell got in his bag late. 
Um, Cat was just a, a, a mere image of himself on, on, on the scene, which was um, disappointed. Um, and Pat Bev was making key plays on defense, in, in which for a lot of us, um, you and I, we, we watched basketball in the 90s. We saw defense. But the, the young cats watching it, this is this is something new to them. They're like, oh, shit, somebody playing defense? <laughs> to, seal the, to seal the game. Not a, not a three-point shot to seal the game. A defensive steal to seal the, seal the game. So it was exciting to watch them do what they did. Um, but in the, at the end of the day, I think, you know, John Morant, this is his. This is going to be his, his moment once again. He was in this situation last year where he, yeah, I believe Memphis was in the playing tournament last year. I think they were a ninth seed or something. And they yeah. beat, um, I forget who they beat. Golden State. They beat Golden State. No, no, they beat Golden State after Golden State beat the, the Lakers. No, no, the Lakers beat Golden State. I'm sorry, my apologies. They beat Golden State after Golden State lost to the Lakers, but they had beaten someone else. I think it was, um, I can't recall who the team was at the time, but they're they're battle tested all the time, and their coach definitely gets them up for these games. They have some good young players that actually don't play like young players. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, Bain, Jackson, the goal on Morant. I believe they were twenty and four without Morant this season, which is scary. Without the, your best player, a rising star in this league, to go twenty and four, that shows a lot a lot of character about that team. That that shows how well coached they are. I was poised to have as a young unit how just, how about how fresh they are with. A lot of like youth and vibrance and athleticism, length to go around. So it's gonna, I think this is the Bobby V. You know what? Nah, between this series and the Celtics and Nets is the most exciting series to me in the first one. I'm really anticipating watching all these games because um, you got John Moran on one side and you got Anthony Edwards on the yeah. next, who is just like I would say he's kind of like a, a I was from an athletic standpoint, a freaking nature. Like to be that strong and have that much bounce is crazy to me. Um, but I, I, but I still think that. Um, the Grizzlies are going to win that series probably in six. I would go. I would say. Uh, I, I know Towns. Towns could usually like get physical with most centers in today because like we don't really have a, a lot of centers for the most part. But Stephen Adams might be one of the strongest players in the league, to, and, and you got Jaron Jackson over there too to help out. Mm-hmm. I think that they could do enough to like um, somewhat um, offset what Cat um, can provide on the offense. The Wolves, and I'm not sold on D'Angelo Russell. I know he played pretty good in the in the, in the playing game, but he be he's so inconsistent. I ain't, I ain't sold on him. So <laughs> I'm sure oh, you know very well because he, he was he was <laughs> a Laker. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I I agree with you too, man. I mean, I, I I'm going with Memphis in at least five or six. Um, John Morant's going to definitely be the key in this game. Um, he's one of the those stars that you definitely can say that he's going to be the key. Like you don't have to you don't have to talk about a role player. This is the guy. He's too electric. He's too he's too exciting. He's too um of he's he does everything you're looking for on the top on a top two pick. That's a point guard. That's what you expect is what he gives. And I and I love watching him play. So uh yeah, I got I got Memphis there. Um we're gonna move on to the next series, Golden State Warriors, the three seed versus Denver Nuggets, the six seed. Um this series might be actually pretty underrated. Um, we got some for, we got some former MVPs, and actually one of those MVPs is probably going to win it again. Um, joke it, the Joker. <laughs> the Joker. Um, I'm gonna let you lead this off. Who 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 you got in this series, and and why? See, I mean, it's tough for me because I still don't know the status of Steph Curry. I think it's going to be a game time decision. How will he come back? How will he look after um, being off West? It's like, what, mid-March, I would say, when um, when he got um, hurt by Smart 
uh, unintentionally too. I would say that. So, and I hate. I think he said he still experienced some some pain in his foot. So, how's he going to look when he when he comes back? Um, so, with that being said, I might damn, I might have to go with with Joker and then playing playing in Denver. If you don't have your best player, having to go up to the Mile High City in that altitude can swing can swing the momentum. I, I think for me, I think uh, for the Nuggets, even though they're missing two of their best three players, which they've been missing all year. But again, Joker, who is most likely going to be the MVP based on what I be hearing from an- analysts and reporters, he's most likely going to win that award. Um, I think he's like he's just gonna keep doing what he did all season, find anybody who's cutting, see people that, that you that you think that he probably shouldn't see in his peripheral vision. He's going to find them because he's probably, I think he's the best passing big man I've ever seen in my life. Um, got game. Um, so I expect them to win the series. Probably. So I think they will, I'm going to have to score with them, I would say, in six. Only because I don't, I don't know if that is a step. If, if, if Steph never got hurt and he's playing right now, I'll pick the Warriors, but I'll, I'll probably have to go nothing that ball. Well, from what I've seen, I believe it was last night or this morning, one of those days, the report is that he is slated to be ready for game one. Because they wanted to make oh, sure he okay. was practicing first before they play him, which is very understandable. I like that Steve Kerr's that type of coach to say, no, I'm not going to just say somebody's playing just to say they're playing. We're going to wait and see how well they respond to some practice time. Yeah, because because when whenever um, when he's not there, I mean they're like a whole different team. I believe it was like eight and ten without Steph this year, if I remember correctly. Because once Steph crosses half court, you got to pick him up immediately when he gets there. He just stretches the whole defense and just makes life so much easier for those who are on his team. Whether you whether you're cutting to the basket or you're standing up ready to um, ready to spot up and shoot, makes your life so much easier. So when he's there, so when he's not there, it's like damn. That's like your whole game plan changes. Your team looks completely different. Your offense set looks completely different. So, I mean, I'll, I'll probably go Denver. I, I cause only because I don't really know how what, how he's going to look like. Is he going to be able to give you like a lot of minutes in the playoffs with that coming off that injury? So I, I'll be I'll be safe to I'll be safe and say Denver. I personally, I'm going with the Warriors. I think I'm going to go with the Warriors in six. Um, the reason for that is. I truly believe they'll get it together in the right time with Steph coming back and having the fact that they have a bench, like a Jordan pool, um, a, a kid like that who can come off the bench and just give you buckets like that. Who will probably win most improved this year from what I'm saying. Like, so seriously, for real. And then you have Thompson actually back to being healthy enough to play close to back-to-back games. Draymond's finally healthy. You know what I'm saying? Looney's coming back, is back to the the he's he's playing up to the standards that he was during their championship run in, in the earlier years. Like mm-hmm. the team is and, and we're not even talking about Wiggins. And the reason it's crazy, I remember we spoke last time and we were surprised he made the all-star game. But there's a reason. Well, I, 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 I don't know if I was surprised. I'm surprised he started. True. You're right, you're right. You said, <laughs> you said he shouldn't he shouldn't been, he shouldn't have been a starter, but um, yeah. but yeah, him being there. Is is helpful too because he 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 can step up when need be. So there's a lot of things there, but the, but I can see where why you think Denver too because you got the reigning MVP, soon to be repeated MVP, two time. Um, Michael Porter Jr. might be coming back. We don't we we haven't got an official word on that, but he might be coming back. They've been talking about Murray, Jamal Murray, but we don't know yet. Um, um, it's unfortunate because he's a great and he's a great player and he's also a great playoff performer. <laughs> We've seen that. 
Um, we, 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 yeah, we, see him, we see him in the bubble. What he did in the bubble. Exactly. So with all that being said, they still are a very great team without those two guys. And if they are able to come back at some point in the series, it might change whatever I just said. Because that's that's too much power, firepower, man. It's like you're giving a reigning MVP his best players back, and it's that you can't even. And that's the same way. I'm, that's the same way I'm looking at with Steph Curry. You gave Steph Curry his best players back: Thompson, Draymond. You know what I'm saying? Like this is going to be an interesting yeah. series, and, and 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 I'm gonna love to see how it goes. Um, both these teams are probably. Well, for one, I think Golden State low-key kind of overachieved only because the beginning of the season, they really went off. Um, and I feel like Denver underachieved. So this is two teams that could have flip-flopped in the standings easily from three to six. You think, you, you think Denver underachieved with missing two of their three best players? I say that only because they, were, they, were, they didn't have Murray anyways. <laughs> so it didn't really matter. And they didn't have Murray. Yeah, you know yeah, what I'm yeah. saying? They played well enough without him sometimes last season. And it's not like he was never injury prone. And same goes for Michael Porter Jr. Those guys were always injury prone for the past couple of seasons. Well, especially like Michael Porter. That's the reason why he fell so late in the draft because he had back problems coming out of college. I believe he went 12 exactly. or 13 so, in the draft. And that was because, yeah, he, because exactly. if it wasn't hurt, he would have so, been a top five. He, he was the same draft with Luca and Trey Young. He would have been a top five pick if he would have been hurt. Exactly. And I remember seeing him projected to be a high pick at that time, too. Yeah. And then he fell off because of the injuries. But it's like, that's exactly the point. Like, I'm just saying, Jokic was never accustomed to having these guys 100% healthy all season long. Like, he almost played a whole season True. healthy. You know what I'm saying? Like, He's the he's gonna be the X factor regardless. Even if those guys popped up at suddenly, he's the one who has to keep it get get it rolling. Because there's not many people who could guard him in the league. No, I don't think anybody can guard Joker, which is crazy. <laughs> he's not athletic at all, but he get, but he gets it done. Um, kind of, kind of right. similar to like he's like a he's like a point forward version of Lucas. They're both not athletic, but they can just get buckets, and then nothing you can really do about it. They're gonna get to their spot. Fact. They'll laugh in your face too. They'll be like, Yeah, you thought I couldn't do that? I got you. Hold on. On dog. <laughs> uh we're gonna go back. Uh we're gonna go on and on the with the very last series. Maybe this might this series might be the most uneventful. Um, but then again, it might be just because of one big news that came out today. Um, it's gonna be the Dallas Mavericks versus the Utah Jazz. And we've obviously got notified today that Luca's missing game one. Uh, that, that's, a, that's a tough blow. Exactly. So, with that being said, um, I personally, I'm going with Dallas, man. Um, I think they're gonna if, if he could if he could come back after game one. I'm going with Dallas. If they if he's truly hurt as much as they say he is, um, and he's not gonna come back until like what game three or four, it's gonna have to be Utah. And the only reason I'm choosing mm-hmm. Dallas still is because. Utah, in the past month, you know how many times they've blown 20-point leads? <laughs> yeah, it's been pretty ridiculous. Holy I, I, shit. I, I, I lost count. Oh, my God. Yo, I, there'll be times I'm just watching a, another game, and then I'm getting notified on my phone, like, from, like, ESPN, Bleacher Report, or whatever. Um, here goes Dallas, uh, you know, Blowing another twenty point lead, I'm like, what the fuck is going on over there in Dallas? Not Dallas, I'm sorry. What the fuck is going on in in fucking Utah? 
And then in in the ironic part of all this is that the Jazz and Rudy Gobert, they they're very big on the defensive thing in that argument. And obviously there's a lot of uh mm-hmm. forwards and guards that play a lot of perimeter D that like, why is this guy always getting all this defensive um player, defensive accolades over us? He doesn't do anything. <laughs> And then you see that their team's getting fucking smacked up in the fourth quarter mm-hmm. with him in there. So I'm trying to make it. I'm trying to make this make sense. I, I don't get it. Well, I mean, I think I know what's going on from reports that I've read so so far. Um, there's, a, there's an internal conflict going on within the organization. I know. I know they um, that Mitchell and Gobert don't really get along. I think Prince Knight is going to be out of there soon. I, I, Danny Ainge, you know, Danny Ainge works for them now. I'm pretty sure he might he might be looking to blow this up and build from scratch. Um, I, I always felt like there's no way Donovan Mitchell is going to stay in Utah for like a long term. I felt like after his rookie contract, uh, we're probably going to let to go to a market like a New York. But at the same time, we're seeing all these players now with like several years left in the deal. They're like, get me out of here. I want out and I want to go here specifically. And a lot of times, if not most of the time, they get their wish. So mm-hmm. I think we're going to see that what happened with Donovan Mitchell. I, I think when people, when people like when they uh, brought in D-Wade, when D-Wade came in as an owner, some people thought that 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 could that could sway Mitchell to stay. I'm like, there's no way in hell D-Way is going to sway anybody to stay in Utah if they want to be in a big market like in New York City. It's just not going to happen. It's not going <laughs> right. to be enough. Like nothing. And that's I, not going to work. Listen, you know what's funny? The Donovan Mitchell might be playing against the, his future team. <laughs> I would not be surprised if if Cube, uh, Mike, Mark Cuban is just looking at this game as a recruiting uh, opportunity. Hmm. Mitchell and Luca can play. I, I think yeah, they can play together. I got you thinking, huh? I think I think they can play together. That yeah, is, Luca and then, yeah, dude. It, it could happen. It could happen. Maybe maybe a tall stretch forward who can shoot threes is not good good enough to play with him. But somebody like him, Donovan Mitchell, Mitchell, hell yeah, that that would make yeah. sense. But not to get too off track. But I, like I said, I personally am going with Dallas if he's going to be healthy enough to go from game two and beyond. But if he's going to be hurt, man, it's going to have to be Utah. And then, but I think the game is going to go seven anyways, whether it's, whether it's, it goes, depending on whether it doesn't matter what side it goes by, go, what side wins. I think it's going seven. Yeah. I mentioned sucks my hand about Luke again, but I, I saw him get hurt in the last game of the season. I'm like, damn, that sucks. I kind of was like, why, why didn't he just sit out this game? But then again, they, they were still playing for playoff position at the, the time when he went down against the Spurs in the closeout finale. Because, in a short playoff career, 13 games, he's averaging 33 points, nine assists, and eight rebounds in 13 games. And all those games were going against elite defenders in Kawhi, PG, and Patrick Beverly. That's just a lot to have a resume like that in 13 games against those, that, those perimeter defenders. So if he's healthy, if he was playing in this series, it would have been it would have been lunchtime for him, man. Easy money. But again, he got hurt. So I feel like it, it, they're smart for at least keeping him up for game one. Be precaution, be um, take precautionary measures with this because I'm pretty sure um, I feel like this is the same injury that KD had when he was out for a while and then they left him to come back during the finals against the Raptors and then end up tearing his Achilles. I think he had a strained calf as well, too. But, the but maybe it could be, but, may, but maybe it could be saw, to a different degree, maybe not as bad. I don't know. And yep, and you saw how long it took for Draymond to come back from his, like, mm-hmm. and you know, what I'm saying it's. It's tough, man. I, I feel I feel for the young man. Like calf injuries are not to take to be taken lightly whatsoever. Facts. 
So it's like, uh, but I'm, I'm sure he's probably, getting, he's probably getting a round around you know, treatment on it right now. They got the, they got the best doctors in the world that work for the organizations. So I'm sure they're doing a lot to help to possibly get him ready. I think he's going to come back by, if not game two, game three. So with that being said, I'm still going to go with Utah, um, Utah, say Utah, Dallas in seven games. <laughs> I did the same thing. All right, cool, cool, cool. Um, so we, we pretty much touched on all the playoff, current playoff seeding games that we know for sure that are happening. Um, obviously, tonight is mm-hmm. the games, uh, the, eight, the the two of the ninth seeds are going against the eighth seed in uh, in hopes of clinching the eighth seed to play on Sunday. Oh, I'm sorry. They might be playing Monday, actually. I, I don't know the actual schedule off, off the top of my head. But um, they would. Be oh, wait, because it's scheduled for what? You said Monday. Yeah, for the. Um, I'm talking about because uh, obviously the ACs are playing today on a Friday. I would expect. I would more than. I would. I would be thinking that they played on one seat on Monday. Oh, they play on Sunday. One seat play on Sunday, so they play a game one on Sunday. Oh, they would be okay. So that's kind of yeah. like a punishment. <laughs> that's like a punishment. They're like, yeah, we're gonna punish you for fucking being bad being a bad team this year. So, let me just uh, verify that right now, but I'm pretty sure I've seen that today. So, yeah, Sunday is going to be the Heat play at 1 o'clock, whoever comes out of the, out of the play-in, and then the Suns will play at 9 o'clock on Sunday night. Whoever comes out of the play-in. Okay. I bet. So, with that being said, we touched on the playoffs. I also wanted to, before we uh, wrap it up, I wanted to talk about um, all the awards um, all the award nominees, possibly the the projected possible uh, award nominees, and also the um, who would we, who do we think is going to win the award? Um, I'm going to pull up. I'm going to go. I'm going to go list uh, award by award. So give me a sec. Okay. All right. So. Um, let me just start with, uh, I don't want to do the all defensive and all NBA teams. That kind of gets a little bit too much to me. Um, that's very, <laughs> you know, that's, I feel like that's kind of opinion based, but, um, we can go with like coach of the year. Um, the top three projected candidates are Monty Williams, Phoenix of the Phoenix Suns, Eric Spolstra of the Miami, um, Heat. And um, Taylor, uh, Taylor Jenkins of Memphis. Um, I personally, I think it makes sense to go with um, Monty because actually the, the Suns actually had to deal with the fact that they had high expectations this year. And with the high expectations came with a lot of adversity and the adversity they dealt with was with injuries and, you know, a lot of change was going on with the, with the roster, with, you know, players being in and out of there with uh, protocol issues and, you know, like I said, injuries and, you know, again, adversity. And they, and I think they had multiple 10 plus wins streaks. So I I, I want to go with Monty on this one. I don't know. Uh, how about you? Yeah. I mean, this was tricky. If there's another coach that you think deserves to be on the list too, please bring them up. Oh yeah, I mean, like this this award. I feel like more times than not, several coaches are, are 
can easily win this award. Um, but you can also throw a thing in there too, a doka in there too. What he did, what he what he did to make to make the seas buy in in the second half of the season, go on the run that they did. I think he got to be in that conversation as well. But I would probably say Monty Williams should win this award. Um, Suns with what sixty four and eighteen this year, um, best team in the league from start to finish, no question about it. Um, I just feel like with him, the way that that, that the team's buying into him, um, having Chris Paul on that team, I mean. Does go a long does go a long way, but at the same time, just like taking that that, that team, what they did last year, uh, beating the Lakers in the in the beating the Lakers in round one, albeit with injuries, but they still did it. Got their way to the finals, kept, fell short after being up two nothing, and then to come back this season even more focused and like more focused on the ultimate prize and just didn't essentially miss a beat all season long. I think I got I think it's only right to go with him. And I'm, I'm happy. I'm happy for him too, because considering like what he's been through in his life, as, as personal, um, oh yeah, um, that's tragic that happened occurred in his life. So it's great to see him like doing this. Yeah, he's he, he's a he's he's definitely a great uh, example of a of a man that you know he's a God fearing man, and he you know he was very in he loved his wife a lot, and you know for in for him it takes a lot in a man to and, and people in general, but for somebody like him who's in a high class, like high opportunity level of employment being in the NBA as a head coach, he decided he needed to step away from the game because of the passing. And for some, for a lot of people, they, they prefer to stick around to get their mind off of it. Whereas he took time off. And when he came back, he just was as good as he was before he left. Um, So I, I agree with you. And Monty Williams would be my pick as well. Um, Udoka, I, I would say yes for sure too. But um, you know, with rookie coaches, it's kind of hard to really give them hundred percent, you know, credit. Um, because and I feel like this, the voters will try to use against him the fact that they started off so horribly yep. in the first half. I so, they, so, so I think voters will will have that in their mind and use it against him. But yeah, I think that's 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 why I was gonna that's why I was gonna say that like. Because as a rookie coach, like there's been a lot of rookie coaches that won championships their first time around as a rookie coach, and they never they didn't win it because they probably picked up off of they picked up the team off of someone who already had success with the team. You know what I'm saying? So it, that it's very rare that you're gonna be a rookie coach that is building a team from the ground up to be successful. You know what I mean? Um, you know, so that's part. You know, facts. I'm I'm we're in agreement with that one. Uh, the next award would be Rookie of the Year. Um, the projected uh, top three candidates for that award are Evan Mobley, Cleveland Cavs, Scotty Barnes, um, Toronto Raptors, and Chad. Is it Cad or Chad? I don't want to say Cad. Oh, Cade. Cade, Cade, Cade? The fuck? Yeah. Uh, Cade Cunningham <laughs> from the Detroit Pistons. Um, I'm going to go with... Um, it's a, oh shit. This one's tough because I, I like both Scotty Barnes and Mobley. It would be a toss up between them two, but I'm, I might have to go with um, with Mobley, only because he's way more impactful for the the Cavs than um, the uh, than the other two are. Yeah, man, I, I I like Mobley a lot. I think I'm, I would go with him too. Certainly, I like the I, I seen my my man Bill Simmons was this podcast earlier in the season. He was comparing him to like. I would say he was comparing to a, to a young KG, just like his awareness around the around the rim, 
um, like is like, where to be at in certain spots on the court. Um, he's like, yeah, he's, he is kind of like really fundamentally sound for a player his age and like in, in his NPC stage in the league, obviously his rookie season. Um, he, he was tremendous to the Cavs' success this year, but I think injuries like kind of like derailed them. Um, and everything, because um, I think that they probably would have avoided the playing tournament if they were relatively healthy throughout the season. And he would have been a big part of that too. So I think I'll go with him. Kade, he, he did miss some time earlier this year with the injury that I believe he sustained during the preseason. Um, so that may be held against him to some extent. Um, but it wasn't like he was like like way better if he was than any of the other two candidates. So again, that might be held against him. But I, but I really liked Mobley this year, watching him play a lot. Yeah, so we're definitely in agreement with Mobley, Evan Mobley winning it. Um, I just like rookies that just play like veterans. You know what I'm saying? So to, to, yeah. to, to give my reasons of why I would choose a guy like him, I just like that. Like, it's a, it just shows a maturity. And I don't think I, – I'm not going to be the, 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 the fan that's going to be like a 20-year-old needs to act like a fucking – grown man like he's 20 fucking years old or 21 years old when we were 20 and 21 years old we were very irresponsible even though we were working jobs that we weren't jobs that probably we're working jobs that other people are working that are older older than us you know saying we were irresponsible outside of work and that's just how life goes (laughs) you know saying and sometimes you might be a little irresponsible at work because you just don't know how to act but these but when you have players like those guys who can step up and be actually key components to how, how the team succeeds. And they, they, you know, they, 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 you know, they carry themselves as a person of that you can rely on. And um, that's what I like about this class, even with, with Cunningham, he's even, even him knowing that, yo, I'm going to be in a bum ass team. I could be one of those rookies that be, that give a lot of, trouble and issues because I don't like where I'm at. Nope. He put it, he put his head down and he took, he became a leader for his team. You know, it wasn't, he wasn't getting nationally advertised everywhere on TV, but he was still getting a lot of, you know what I'm saying? He was, he was a key point part of how the team succeeded um, in, in very small times of the year. <laughs> But he also, you know what I'm saying? But because people can see how well he plays and how well he carries himself, that attracts other players to go there. So that's what these younger guys have to understand, that the way you carry yourself going forward in your career is what brings these guys back to the markets that they don't want to be in. And these three guys can be those type of players to set their franchise up for success with some a player who would prefer not to be there to maybe even reconsider, you know what I mean? Um, no, I mean, you're right. Yeah, definitely. Like having those like three players at the cornerstone of your franchise can definitely pay dividends. But I do think that it's going to be, it's always tough with small markets. Cause like this, usually mm-hmm. the top phrase adult, I like to go there. I like to go to the more appealing, sexier markets. So that going to put a lot of uh, pressure on the GM to really do a good job of building through the draft, which the Cavs have done an excellent job so far. So I hope for Kay Cunningham's sake that the Pistons follow suit and really do a good job of building through the draft and just having it grow organically. And the thing about the Pistons, they're a big market. <laughs> they're considered a, a big a big market in the in sports. Um because it's uh, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. But but it's not it's not like you a, know what I mean. it's not a New York or 
in LA or even in Miami. It's like, do you I'm, want to I'm, I'm trying to remember who, who, owns, who owns the Pistons again? It's a billionaire who owns them. Oh, I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure it is a billionaire, but I don't, I don't know who owns it though. I can't remember, but I know it's a, it's a it's someone who owns them who who's not like the other NBA teams that has a bunch of uh, uh, investors that are part owners. But oh, you say you say it's only one owner that owns the Pistons? You believe? I believe so. I'm about to check right now while we're talking. Okay. Um, let's see. One of the Pistons, Tom Gores. Yeah, I have no idea who this Tom Gores is. <laughs> I think he might have just bought the team, to be honest with you. Because I swear to God, they were owned by somebody who was actually well-known, like, big time. But, yeah, they, at, at, at one point, they were considered a, a, a big market. The, the city of Detroit in general, obviously, throughout the years. Yeah, I mean, the, the size, yeah, I agree. Yeah. Um, next award, award would be the six-man award. Um, six-man of the year. The projected, the top projected, the top three projected players, excuse me, would be Tyler Hero, Miami Heat, Kevin Love, Cleveland Cavs, Cameron Johnson, Phoenix. Who do you got? Mm, I probably have to go with my man Tyler Hero. I, I like I like Tyler a lot, man. I think I think he did I think he's done a good job of like building off his success in the bubble um, into his NBA season because I believe that was his rookie year, if I'm right. Yeah, the rookie year, the, the, the bubble season, so 1920 was, uh, was his rookie season. Yeah, so I mean, I, I didn't think that, I didn't know if he could be a solid rotation mm-hmm. player um, coming out of college, but he's doing a good job, man. Um, he's a, a great shooter. He has a lot of confidence. I, I like I like his demeanor too on the court. Um, and he's been, been a, key to, a key to the uh, Heat securing the number one seed in the, throughout the whole Eastern Conference. So I think you got to reward that and uh, go to uh, my man, Tyler Harrell. Yeah, I, I'm a, I'm gonna I'm gonna agree with you on that too. Um, Tyler Hero is my pick too, only because um, he's a part of a number one seed, and with the amount of injuries that Miami had to deal with throughout the season, we're not even talking about some teams dealt with it the first half or just the second half. This team dealt with it throughout the whole entire season. <laughs> you know, what I'm saying they didn't have um, Jimmy Buckets for a while, um, Bam was out for a while. They just got some people back. Like it's like you know they were all over the place, and they still managed to get them one seed. And he was a big part of that because he was putting up starter numbers off the bench. So I, I'm, I'm definitely agree with you on that one. Um, I'm gonna go with Tyler Hero. I don't want to go too crazy about talking about six man award. Um, it's a great achievement to um to acknowledge someone off the bench. Uh, mm-hmm. not every, like, sometimes that six man award gets a little, doesn't, doesn't always make sense because some of those guys. Well, I, I agree. For example, like <laughs> Mano Ginobili, like one of the six men of the year, were like, Doug, he's really a starter. They, it, it's just for, for the team construct, construction, they have him off the bench to give him juice to like help keep the, the second unit stable. He plays starter minutes. He played during the end of the games. He's really a starter. Like why are we giving him this award for Exactly, and I'm like, that, yeah. And that was kind of, wanna... that was, like, was even kind of similar to Harden, to young Harden in his OKC days. Like, see, he was like playing the margin over role. He was getting yeah. a lot of minutes, playing down the stretch. We just have to, they kept, they brought him off the bench to help keep balance between the starting unit and the second unit. 
Exactly. I'm glad we agree on that because I feel like I felt like, I don't know, sometimes I feel like I'm alone with my opinions with certain things, but that's that's how I feel. Like, it's cool to award somebody off the bench, but a guy who's putting up starter minutes, like, I, it's hard for me to say, yeah. If it was somebody who's putting in 15 to 20 minutes and then still scoring 15 to 18 points and is is playing well on defense, I'm all I'm all I'm all in. I'm all in. Yeah. But I don't know. Um we're gonna move on. The, the we have two more, three more awards. Uh the next one would be for defensive player of the year. Uh the projected three would be uh Rudy Gobert, Utah, I believe. Is it is Rudy the defending defensive player of the year? Once again? I want to say yes, if I remember correctly. Okay. Okay. So Gobert, uh um Jerron Jackson Jr., Grizzlies, and Mikhail Bridges in Phoenix. Wow. If that's gonna be our projected three, I'm gonna have to go with Gobert. Nah, man. I I I, I, I don't like giving the award. Like I, the, the league just like always like so he did win it. Yes, he won it last year. Wait, hold on. Defensive player of the year. He won it last year. Yep. So three times. He's already a three time defensive player of the year, play, play the year winner. But somebody on a podcast like a while ago made a good point. Why do we? Why does the NBA keep rewarding this man defensive player of the year when several has been thrown on several occasions in the playoffs? He's unplayable on the court because when the team looks to go small and make him go out to defend on the perimeter, they expose him and he and then it, it goes and it hurts the Jazz. So like, why do we keep awarding him? Um, this award. There's even one year, and one of these years he won it. He played like 55 games. Like he missed like like almost 30 games. Like how did he win the award? So I'm, I'm tired of it. I don't know if he really deserves it. Like maybe you can make a case, but I think this should go to somebody else. Um, I'm surprised. I'm surprised, yo. Giannis should be in that conversation too. And your man's right. down in Boston. I'm not gonna lie. Marcus Smart should get real consideration. Just just a, just a, a dog on the defensive end. But with that award, they do not. They always tend to go right. to the bigs. If Marcus Smart was to win that award, for example, I think he would be the first guard to win the award since Gary Payton. Since Gary and that Payton. was the, and that was, that was 95, 96 season when they <laughs> went to the Bulls in the finals. So. And what's crazy about that? We've had some great guards guarding in the past hey, twenty Jason years. Jason Kidd, Chris Paul, like, come on, like, there's a Clay lot of great Thompson, dude, like, yeah. Kawhi Leonard never. Kawhi Leonard has one or or two. He, but he he's, one, small, he, he's a small forward, but he's not a guard. So he, he did win it before. But you know what I mean, though. He, he's he's he doesn't have I'm, a, he doesn't I'm have a forwards. He doesn't have a true forwards body. Like he's he's, yeah. he's a six seven six eight forward. And yeah. Paul, Paul George, for one, is a, he always played shooting guard for most of his career, so he's never been considered. You know what I mean? There's been a lot of guys that deserve to be considered at that one or two position, and they never was. And it's kind of a shame that Gary Payne was the last one, and that was that in the mid nineties, ninety five, ninety five, ninety six season. Yeah, when they went to the chip. Yep. So. It is a shame, and, and and based on the three, the top three projected, I'm only going to pick Rudy Gobert because I think that makes the most sense. But if it, listen, smart, this is the year that makes more sense for him to win it than any other year. And even Robert Williams, even him being off on and off injured, he's been maybe more impactful to his team as a defensive player than Rudy Gobert is. That's a great argument. I. I... Yeah, and even yeah. Bam, even with Bam, yeah, we're, we're talking we're about teams that were teams that actually played great defense all season. I think on Bam, he missed too many games. Otherwise, he probably would have probably would have won the award if he didn't miss that many games. Very true. Very true. 
Yeah. Um, Macau Bridges, he's, he's, a, he's a hell of a defender, too. Like, he, he gets that. I say he gives Steph a few fists this season um, with his length um, and his ability to, like, move his feet. Uh, so it's, it's tough award, but uh, him, yeah. I mean, out of those three, I'd probably go Mikel Bridges. Uh, but honestly, I think Giannis would get more consideration with that award. I think Giannis is just the, the ground he's able to cover um, in a game is, is crazy. I think that you, I think it goes with his athleticism plus his length allows him to have a crazy. Like I think it was on Christmas Day when they played the Celtics in Milwaukee, and he was like trying to cut out Tatum at the basket. Tatum took the ball to uh, Robert Williams and went for the dunk, and he still was able to recover, switch to Robert Williams, and block the block the dunk attempt. Like, that's, I think any other player in the league that's making that that's making that play, but Giannis. I agree. I agree wholeheartedly, but yeah, it's gonna, it's yeah, it's probably gonna be Gobert if if it's gonna be truly those top three right there, it's gonna be Gobert. But it sh- it should it should be Marcus Smart. You know, let's be honest, the number one defensive team in the league, Gobert. Um, the next award before we get to the MVP award would be the most improved player, and the top three projected oh, is that's easy. <laughs> the top three projected is Murray. From San Antonio Spurs, Desmond Bain, Memphis, Jordan Poole, Golden State Warriors. I am going with Jordan motherfucking Poole. Yeah, same here, man. Like, I feel like he, he was like, like he was a, obviously a, a big part to the Warriors' success early on throughout the season. And I, I feel like any other player who had uh, in his situation having to deal with Clay coming back and, and getting inserted and into the starting role in media immediately probably would have dealt with that a lot worse to the detriment of his team, but he was a soldier and stayed the course. Um, I think he should be aware with, with that award. And he's probably going to end up someday. I don't know what his contract's looking like right now, like when he's going to be a free agent. I I'm sure he's going to come in. He's a free agent of some sort after this season. Probably restricted. But probably restricted, but yeah, he's he's uh, he's due for a payday. Which means that the Warriors can match any offer that stone. But man, I mean, some teams like Thorne's some crazy bread. And, and can the Warriors really like match that? So it's going to be tough. And then and I think, people, I think, people can't even say, "Oh, can he start?" Though he started most of the season, yeah, because of because of Clay being out, and then also he's been starting when Steph has been out too. Yeah, I, I, I like his game a lot, man. He, yeah, he really surprised me. I, I didn't see this coming with him. So but that, th- that goes to speak about the Warriors uh, organization, the development of players. Um, I think it speaks volumes, like. With him as well, too, Jordan Poole. Is there anybody out of that, outside of that list that you would have rather give it to if 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 you thought about it a little bit deeper? Probably just Hunter Murray. But he's on that list. I'm saying. Oh, oh sorry. Right. Anybody oh, outside? Oh, sorry. I think about anybody on the list. That I would. Uh, not really. I would just think. I would just think um, Jordan Poole. But I wouldn't. I remember thinking deeper about that award because I don't think that that was like really like several people can potentially win that award. It's usually a solid. Two, maybe three. That I could see was like. How, how do you feel about Darius Garland? See, I, I don't like giving the award to a player like that who is like. Well, wait, wait, hold on. What, he, was what top, he was a top pick. He was in what? Well, he was a three number three pick when you, was, uh, it, was, was it was it number three? No, no, he wasn't number three. I believe he came the same year with uh with John Morant. So it was Zion, John Morant, Cam Reddish, not Cam Reddish, uh, R.J. Barrett. I believe he was like a damn. Let me look him up right now. Maybe he was. But he fifth? I'm gonna take a look right now. But my thing was like with players, like for example, like a player who's like a high pick in the in the lottery when they're, when they're like young in their career and they're getting better than the previous year. 
I feel like you shouldn't be eligible for the most approved award because, like, you're, you're supposed to get better. You're a high draft pick. Like, it's easy. I think that, that I think that award should go to somebody like, out of the blue. Like, we didn't see this coming, like, this explosion to come. You know what I'm saying? I hear Someone that. like, uh, we, yep, yep. Someone like, like a Jordan Poole. Like, you no know, one's seen, I, I didn't see this coming. Um, hold on a second. Let me find out what. Yeah, Gar- Garland was the fifth pick in that fifth draft. Pick. Yeah, after yeah. DeAndre Hunter. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's tough for me to give an award to somebody like who's that, that young. Yeah, you, um, you're saying somebody who had the expectations that we the, the expectation was that he was supposed to be this good, anyways. Like you're supposed to show like improvement in your game. You know what I'm saying? Like you're a top five draft pick. You're in your third. I believe it's the third season. Like you're supposed to be better. Like I, like when people are talking about Gerard, I think people are talking about John Morant for most improved. Or like, no, like dog, he's like. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Are you saying somebody's most improved and he was really still pretty damn good last season? Yeah. This is crazy, yo. Oh, I, I, oh, I, oh, I see. I think it was last season they were saying that. I'm like, dog, it's the second year. <laughs> he's supposed to get better. Like, he's a number two overall pick. Facts. Um, all right. We're going to move on to the very last award before I let you go. Mm-hmm. Most valuable player, the MVP. The top five projected players to be the winner of this award is Jokic, Denver, Giannis, Milwaukee, Joel Embiid, the Sixers, Doncic of the Mavericks, and Devin Booker of the Suns. First and foremost, four of those five give me a hard time with their names, and I can't stand it. <laughs> but with all jokes aside, I'm gonna go with the Joker, only because um, he posted 2,000 points, 1,000 rebounds, and 500 assists at the center position. Mm. And I don't know who did that last. I don't. I think he's the first ever. Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, when I seen in the telecast, right? And yeah. he still made the top six seeds in the conference with two of his best players out from majority of the season. And not to say Embiid doesn't deserve it because Embiid absolutely deserves it. But being that they're both playing the same position, you, you have to go with Joker. Like it, it, you can't just say no to that. And he put up crazy totals. Doncic is probably a couple more years away from just dominating the league every single season and being a MVP without even the debate. I think Doncic could be as effective in the league. Him and Morant will be the the equivalent to what we know of what we saw um, Allen Iverson. Um, Giannis will always be in in this list, as long as he's healthy. Yeah, absolutely. He he gives me Kareem vibes every fucking season. He really does Kareem things. Devin Booker, though, and I'm I'm happy he's on this list because he deserves the recognition. He deserves to be under uh, recognized for how effectively good he is for the Phoenix Suns, whether or not they had Chris Paul or not. Yeah. He's a very great player. But as I said, Joker's my pick. I don't know. You tell me who you got. Yeah, man. This this is like one of the this is one of the rare years where it's like, damn, like 
any of the top three candidates are worthy of this award. I wouldn't really be mad if anybody won it. Um, I just felt like with Giannis, there's like uh, there's like voters fatigue with him, kind of similar to the LeBron experience, where you know what you we, we, we like kind of get like numb to these numbers, like we expect these numbers that he does and these great things, and it shouldn't be like that. So I think they they they're doing him a disservice. Um, Embiid has dealt with with. Um, has dealt with uh, obstacles this whole year, dealing with the whole Ben Simmons saga. Ben Simmons looking not to come, not to, not to play, uh, and to sit out and want and, and wanted to be traded. Uh, but now MB could have complained too, but instead he's, he's te- he kept playing, working his when working his ass off all season. Like I said, coming in like in shape, like the best shit that he's coming entering entering the season so far in his career. Um, so he should be rewarded too. But I don't know if I I think that I would pick Jokic, but I feel like he's going to win the award because these M- the MVP voters love a narrative, and I think that he has the best narrative out of those three candidates, um, top right. three candidates. I agree. I'll talk to candidates. I mean, he won it last year, comes into this season, your starter point guard who was a who was a budding star in this league is out for the season after tearing his uh, ACL. Um, this this. Um, the next best player on the roster has a back problem, is out for a significant amount of time, and you're essentially down two of your three best players, the Denver Nuggets, that is, and you're still able to stay afloat and make the playoffs and avoid the plan. Because I feel like if he made the plan, there's no way. If, if he got, if the Nuggets fell into the plan, you couldn't, you couldn't give Joker the award. But because they avoided that. I agree. Um, <laughs> They'll get the fuck I, out of here. Yeah, because because they he, they avoided that, I think that he's going to get the award, and I wouldn't be mad because his impact on the game is crazy. Um, high IQ basketball. Um, he just he's, he's fun. To, one of my favorite players to watch. Just watching them pass the basketballs is like it's like art in itself. <laughs> yeah, it's it's quite amazing watching him out. Watch, watching them play. He gives me some Tim Duncan vibes sometimes. Um, he gives me uh I'm trying to think of some old like he gives some he gives me some Vladdy Devox vibes. <laughs> you you know what I'm saying? He gives me some uh Sabonis vibes, not 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 baby Sabonis, but his dad. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like they were slow motion type players, but they were so fucking effective up top of the key, you know what I'm saying, in the paint, like passing the ball when somebody cuts, like these they, they he was doing those things. Um we do have some so, players so fundamentally slime. Oh, oh! Let's not forget about Marcus Gasol and Paul Gasol in their prime. They were just like this dude, um, yeah. But not as not as great offensively as, as he is. He's just. He's, oh, I agree. And, he's, he's on another he's on another level right now, man. But I think what, what, I think what really got him the MVP award was a few weeks ago when they played the Sixers, and it was literally him and Embiid. And, he, and I believe they called the game in uh, in Philly when they won. Yep, and and, and, yeah. and he, I think had fourteen or he didn't have twenty. I think he had barely twenty points, and this guy had like thirty something, ten rebounds, <laughs> nine assists, <laughs> like in Philly. Like I think that was the that was the the you know that was the final straw. Like that that put the icing on the cake for anybody else who wanted to vote for him to give him the, the repeat because you could give it to Giannis and, and be this year easily. Both of them, yeah, it was tough. dominant consistent. It's tough. It's fun. Like I, like I, I was thinking to myself, like maybe they can have, maybe they can even be a co MVP this year. But I don't think this ever happened before. I know I seen it with the Rookie of the Year with uh, Jason Kidd and Grant Hill back in with the '94 when they won Co Rookie of the Year. But I don't think there's ever been a co MVP, so that yeah, probably won't happen. But if it happened, I'm like, damn, like, I don't know if I can really complain about that because this is like this is a it's been a tight race throughout the whole season. Facts. Um, 
So that's all the awards. I, I'm, we're going to wrap it up now, but I do want to ask a question that I'm going to ask a lot of people going forward. Yeah. When it comes to the seven-game series, to you, what is the most in, what is the most important game out of a seven-game se- seven series? The game yeah, six or game seven? Oh, uh, uh, between those two games? Yep. I would say game six. Okay. Because if it goes to game seven, momentum can change like crazy. And then anything, anything can happen there. So it's most important if you're up 3-2 going into game six, you better be sure you, you take care of that business and avoid going into game seven because you never know what can happen. Um, and then you can see like they, they could possibly, possibly an injury can occur um, in a game six at some point in the game. And then you, now you have to go to a game seven. And it could possibly be in a hostile environment in an arena like Boston or Philly or Chicago. I'm just throwing cities out there. They're great sports cities. So I think it's, I think six would be more important to avoid going to game seven. Kind of reminds me of the game six of uh, OKC and uh, Golden State uh, in 2016 when Clay Thompson went off. And everybody, I thought that they were oh no, OKC up three games to one. It's a wrap. Game six, there's no way how to lose this game. But Clay and them had, Clay and them had different plans. And Clay just went off. Steph Curry did, did enough in the fourth quarter to push it to game seven. And then, eh, now I'm now back in the Oracle in Oakland. Hot and, and with a rowdy crowd. All the momentum's on their side. And, I'm I'm a, I'm in agreements with you too. Uh, I'm gonna start asking a lot of people who end up being on the pod with me or just in general. Yeah. What, what who they who what what game out of the seven game series is more important to you? Game six or seven? Because to me, it's game six too. And the and my reason is a little bit different than yours. My reason is this: if I have a true star player, my expectation is on game six. That's my do or die game, whether I'm up 3-2 or down 2-3. Yeah. My star player needs to step the fuck up right here. And and I say this because I've seen this. The most recent time we've seen this is Kawhi. Toronto Kawhi, every game six, he was the man. No doubt about it. Every Mm -hmm. game six. That's probably and that's part of the reason why uh, Clay. Uh, I'm sorry, Steph never won an MVP with when he had the super team after the first. Uh, he never won. He won one MVP in in, in the finals or, or none. 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 There's a reason why he, he should have won it in, in 2016, not right. 2015. True, but he's not the guy in Game Six or Seven. He's not it. Yeah, it's either KD or Clay, Clay Thompson at the time. You know what I'm saying? Like Jordan. Yeah, yes, that. Mm-hmm. We'll bring Jordan up. He's never been to a game seven in the finals. Yeah, like I feel like Steph doesn't have any signature final games under his belt, which is crazy to say for a two-time league MVP and three-time NBA champion. Not to really have a signature or like just standout NBA finals performance. And that's what, and that's what it's great. And, that, and to be honest with you, that is actually what has solidified KD's legacy is that him being with Golden State wasn't a cheat. I mean, it was. It sucked that he was there for some fans. Uh, I wasn't too too fond of it because I thought a lot of people who were against LeBron going to Miami were not keeping that same energy for him because at least LeBron was teaming up with his boys and they were going to team up regardless. 
whether yeah. it's to Miami, Cleveland, or Toronto. KD went to a situation that was already developing, developed and won. So for him to do that, it was like, okay, so you couldn't beat him. You actually really did join him. So you did that. But he stepped up to the plate and he actually, you know, carried that team multiple times. <laughs> so it's like you can't even be mad at him for what he made, what he did because they still needed him a lot. No, they definitely did need him, though. Yeah, I, I agree. Like, they, I think they really needed him just as much as he needed them, I would mm-hmm. say. Mm-hmm. Because the, the, the league was catching on. Like, you could tell after that finals, that final collapse, that third one collapsed um, against the Cavs, that if, if they didn't make a change, if they kept that, that, that same core together, they, there's, no, there's no way they're going to possibly run, run through the West or even, like, win in the finals again. I, I, I think the chances were slim with that. So. Exactly. Um, I mean, what I was what I was gonna finish saying is like, well, you see Michael Jordan. He went to all the the finals. He finished at six and zero. He never went to one game seven. And yeah. even if he did go to game seven in the in the actual playoffs, it was because his team was up three two. Um, uh, his team might have been already down two three. Like I remember, he was down to Indiana. I think it was two three, and they won yeah. a clutch. Uh, they they won a lot of clutch game six. He, he might have had one bad series against the Indiana Pacers where they actually beat them in a game six. But he's always been that guy. So yeah. when it comes to clutch factor, if your game six game is, is not as good as your game seven game, I ain't trying to hear it. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you, you, you definitely have to have that mentality. Whenever it's game six, especially if there's a team that's like up 3-2, you got to have a game seven mentality. Like, just do a die for us. You can't, can't take our foot off the, off the gas. You got to keep going. I agree with that. But yeah, man, this is this is well. I mean, we'll do this again next week. We'll we'll chop it up during the week and try to like possibly get some more heads to join in on the chat. We'll recap what's going on the whole week of the NBA playoffs. Right now, the NBA is the one thing that's um, check, uh, catching all the headlines at the moment. Uh, the NBA, the NFL draft is at the end of the month, so we probably might touch up on the NFL a little bit going in there. Um, Baseball has just started. I really want to get a lot of black people involved in baseball and loving it again. Um, <laughs> it's going to be hard, but baseball's back. Red Sox are back. Um, and also, uh, I'm not really into hockey, so I don't know if I'm going to be touching up on hockey. But <laughs> <laughs> they call this time of the year the championship season. You got the, um, I believe the tennis championships are this season as well. I think Wimbledon's around this time. Or in a couple months, we have the Masters that just finished up. Uh, the Kentucky Derby is right around the corner. Uh, the NBA playoffs, the NHL playoffs, and then the World Cup is just around the corner as well sometime soon. So with that being said, we're going to touch up on a lot of things. Um, E-Man and I will definitely be in collaboration and try to make uh, get all of our peers into more sports conversations um going forward and whether it be here or on twitter but um i appreciate you for coming on bro i know it's short notice and it's a friday night but um uh we'll definitely chat yeah. throughout the week man shit, i ain't doing shit no, no problem man i appreciate it anytime thank you for having <laughs> me and I, on your platform so i can talk my shit <laughs> much appreciated my brother well uh, right. man, have a, have a, yeah we'll, we'll keep us contact uh have a good weekend absolutely all right man Entertainers.